Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Was my volume I know, messed up I there? You made thought, a face I like... thought it was going to... I could see you winding up for it, and you don't use that <laughs> mic often. I thought it was going to be hot. It wasn't. It was oh. fine. Okay. Crack, snap, crackle, pop, hot. No, it, Mike. Was, it was fine. Um, Andy, I hope your weekend was wonderful. The NFL draft was about as good as I possibly could have hoped. Uh, and uh, we're going to review some football. We get to talk a little NFL today, which is always a delight. Um, and, uh, you know, I think overall um, – there's a lot of takes to be had about the way that this NFL draft played out. Uh, and I'm fascinated to, to introduce our audience to a new guest. Do you want to do uh, uh, the introductions to our good friend, Addison? Yeah. Addison from DLF, which is part of the, part of the company, part of the, the brand of companies. There's, there's synergy. This is fun that we have someone we can uh, lean on for this. Cause like I was, I've told this story twice now. Like I looked at some dynasty stuff today and I got mad because my whole morning was spent looking at rookie of the year odds, which is very much focused on how will this player play this year? And this year. Dynasty Dynasty is a whole different. I'm like, I'm like, who is this asshole that is ranking? And it, to be fair, it's a guy we like. It's ranking, you know, uh, London this high. Like London, London doesn't have a quarterback. And I'm like, ah, but long term, long term, yes, he's a very high talent. I get it, I get it. So, yeah, Addison, what? Uh, tell us a little about uh, how long you've been doing this sort of stuff. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, I appreciate you guys asking me to come on here and talk some, talk some football, talk some NFL draft. This has kind of been the world that I've been living in for the past couple of months from the dynasty landscape. Uh, so, yeah, I've been playing fantasy football since 2010, like eighth grade for me. Um, and then Dynasty for the past five or six years. Sorry about that. I'm old. I'm old yeah, <laughs> that's just a that's just a sobering reminder how old I am. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then Dynasty the past five or six years uh, joined DLF in 2019. Got really hardcore into the YouTube aspects of things. Basically, nice. uh, at the beginning of 2021, uh, you know, a little I guess pandemic time, and I'm like, let's dive headfirst into this YouTube thing. And been doing it ever since. So yeah, now you know part of Betsperts. I'm super excited for this, and uh, yeah, just super happy to be here. There is always a lot of crossover between the fantasy and the betting space, even though we are like cats and raccoons, <laughs> and we don't. We kind of go past each other in the night. We don't interact a ton. Uh, and is I always love cats and raccoons. You don't have that saying in uh, in Minnesota. I guess I do now, but the no. cats, yeah, like cats and raccoons. They basically like they don't fight, they don't, they just exist in the same space and go walk past each other. And uh, mm-hmm. it is, it does feel a little bit like that with uh, the dance <laughs> with the uh, fantasy and the betting uh, folks. Um, but uh, I guess in particular, you have a very nuanced um, little sector here, which is the dynasty space. And there is no time where Dynasty is hotter than post-draft. Um, this would probably be the most important weekend week, uh, I would guess, of the entire calendar year. Now that you basically get to sort out uh, teams to their new um, fantasy owners. And realistically, um, before getting into how you thought the draft played out in particular, walk me through some of the kind of the like what you do on the front end for a prep before the, you even know who lands in what team, like, are you specifically evaluating coaches and situations? And you're like, 
mm, you know, like I, so I'm going to set up like, oh man, if, if this team gets a wide receiver, like that's obviously a 1.01 pick. If this team gets a running back, that's a 1.01 pick. Like what's the, what's the front end before you even see the teams uh, like in terms of planning for this? Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we know some of the best landing spots, um, you know, pretty much before, before the draft for certain positions, maybe even certain players. Like we knew coming into this, like any wide receiver that goes to the chiefs of the Packers is like automatically like grade a, that's like a top tier level player. Um, if, if that were to happen in the first round, it, they actually didn't take any players in the first round, neither one of them. So now we're debating between Christian Watson and sky Moore and kind of where do they fall in with all the first round rookies and stuff. Uh, so that didn't end up playing out as well as I think a lot of us hoped uh, the running back position. You're basically just looking for a team that can either give them either a boatload of volume, uh, even if they're not good, you know, any, any running back that can get 300 plus touches is going to do something, you know, production wise. Um, or you're looking for maybe a little bit of a marriage of, they might not get all of the volume, but it's a fantastic team kind of a team like the Buffalo Bills was something that I was yeah. trying to target for like a Kenneth Walker or a Brees Hall. Uh, they ended up going with James Cook, different situation. Um, so those are basically the things that I'm trying to look for is I'm trying to look for, you know, opportunity, uh, whether that's, you know, just a whole bunch of targets, whole bunch of rush attempts or targets for wide receivers or running backs, uh, or I'm looking for an opportunity, even if it's not as great, but still on like a very, very good team where you can start incorporating touchdowns, uh, maybe better target volume uh, instead of just 150 okay targets, 120 great targets from Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen might actually be better than 150 from Jared Goff or, you know, some other B or C level quarterback. So those are kind of all the things that I'm looking for before the draft to actually try to identify which teams could actually get a really good player or vice versa. Yeah, that was that was something that we pondered today. Uh, this morning, producer Dan, who is absent today because he's watching his Braves <laughs> lose, I think lose to the Mets down in New York. They are losing right now, but we were talking about that, and I said this is the hardest part for me when I'm looking because I was looking at rookie of the year markets, and I said that like with the everyone knew like the Chiefs and the Packers are wide receiver hungry. They can get someone in that second tier late in the first round, and if they do, that's just a jackpot for that player probably. But then they do what, I mean, you went over it. They did what they did. They took it a little later and you need to weigh like, Hey, like London and all the, you know, the Bama receivers, the, I mean, just the Ohio state receivers. Those are, those are great. A, I mean, those are really good talents who ended up with maybe less than talented quarterback situations. And then you got guys who are in great quarterback situations that weren't highly touted, you know, wide receivers. Like that's a tough balance to figure out. And like the betting market has decided to fall in love with Watson, despite, I mean, I wonder how many people bet on him to be rookie of the year. Cause that number flew that have ever even seen him play a game. <laughs> it seems He's like, a wide uh, receiver, right? Yeah. It seems, it seems like, it seems like, did you even watch their games? Which honestly I have a little bit just because I loved, especially, Especially, you know, the the playoffs. I do love the playoffs. But that I mean, some of that, or even like Sky Moore. Like that's not even this small. Like, did you did you watch any Sky Moore? And I like Sky Moore, but again, it's it's a weird trade-off. And then like you said, the it's uh it was a weird year for running backs too. I did see people make good cases for Cook as far as this guy might 
not be exactly what they were hoping to end up in Buffalo, but he might catch a lot of balls. And that, you know, obviously everything's everything kind of depends on fantasy league points too at that point. If you're, you know, obviously the I think is that a case? Is PPR pretty much across the board prevalent in dynasty or I, this mm-hmm. is my dynasty kind of ignorance shining through. Like what is it? What is the general consensus for like your dynasty scoring league have format? I don't have a dynasty league. I need to, <laughs> I'm firing one up right now because I have to, because well now I have a DLF sub, so no big deal. Now go. I have the best content in the space. So I have to fire up one, but yeah, I don't have one. Never have, never will. Uh, that's not how it's supposed to be. Never have will soon. But uh, yeah, I just didn't quite understand like the scoring and the formats that a lot of these go through. PPR, it's PPR for sure. Unless they're te- these leagues have been dealing on for like decades, then you might have standard that aren't willing to move. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to go from a handwritten box score calc when you got, you don't you don't want that that extra homework. So a lot of those mm-hmm. uh, legacy leagues don't have PPR. It's true. Um, I was gonna say, Drew, like when he brought up playing fantasy since 2010, like. My first fantasy league was for sure out of the newspaper. Oh, it was wow. like 19, it was like 1994, man. I mean, we had I'm not even sure I don't think I got a computer till like 96. Yeah, that so was I when mean, everybody we, got a computer, I think. Yeah. yeah, we were we were kind of rocking it out of the box scores. I mean, my my friend had Thurman Thomas on his team. Oh, wow. Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> so when you get uh when you start to get uh information in real time during the draft. Let's just take Traylon Burks as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not expect. You know, we 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 had heard we heard rumblings that uh, Hopkins might be unavailable for the Cardinals. We heard rumblings that Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, was going to go to the desert. Um, you know, the, there were rumors floating around about all that stuff. I did not think AJ Brown was going to get shipped on draft night. And, uh, you know, Tennessee uses that draft capital to find a replacement for him and Traylon Burks. Um, when something like that happens, how do you project usage for a player like that who may now find himself as sort of like the primary wide receiver all of a sudden on a Titans team that, you know, is still run heavy, but, you know, certainly likes to employ the play action pass to a decent degree. Um, you know, did, did, uh, did that catch you by surprise? And uh, what were your initial reactions to that? Oh, that absolutely caught me by surprise. I don't, I don't even remember ever seeing anything about Tennessee's like, unwillingness to extend AJ Brown or, you know, like you have like DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin or any of these other wide receivers, uh, Debo Samuel more prevalently before the draft. Um, but I didn't hear really anything about that, about AJ Brown. Uh, and we were, we were streaming the draft on DLF's YouTube channel. And I'm, I saw the news. I was just scrolling through Twitter live and I saw the news and I like stopped the show. And I was like, AJ Brown just got traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so we got the news of that. And then their first round pick, the Titans first round pick ended up being Traylon Burks. And which honestly, at, that made complete sense to me because the biggest comp for Traylon Burks the entire time was AJ Brown in draft <laughs> season. Like everybody's like, you just watch this guy. You just see AJ Brown. They're like the same size, same weight. They ran the same 40 yard dash. Uh, and it's like all that stuff. So, I mean, it's really hard not to say that Burks is just going to come in and maybe not be AJ Brown, but at least get, that type of volume, especially whenever you look at, they don't have Julio Jones anymore. Robert Woods, they traded for not a very high pick. And he's also coming off of injury. So, I mean, who really on this team is, is worth throwing to. It has to be Traylon Burks. I think, I mean, AJ Brown has never been a highly targeted guy. He's been highly efficient, 
But I think if you give Traylon Burks 100, 110 targets, like what A.J. Brown was getting the past couple of years, he might be the most productive rookie in this class. That's possibly. my pick if I if you made me make one. Uh, yeah. he, ended, he ended up in kind of a decent spot. He has it's, the best quarterback of the entire first-round group as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, Hill's yeah for you sure have cons- consistent quarterback play for the most part. Hopefully the defense continues to kind of be bad, and then they just have to keep throwing the ball, and he ends up with like 130 targets if you're mm-hmm. somebody who takes him. But, yeah, that was a nice that was a nice grab by him. And that's something – I mean, we talked a little off the air too. So many of the top guys, it's like – I mean, at least in year one, it's like, oh, man, you went to the Jets. Like, have fun because I really don't know if we're ever turning the corner with Zach. And, uh, yeah, Burks, Burks is a nice one. I think really out of the first-round guys, it was like Burks and Olave for me first year and i'm still kind of unsure on what happens in with new orleans you never know how that quarterback situation turns out but uh, hopefully it's a uh, flamous i guess but uh, let me ask uh let me ask real quick about the flip side of that trade then so aj brown gets shipped to philly if you're an aj brown owner in dynasty you're not sweating it either way you're like uh, maybe a tiny downgraded quarterback but who knows if hurts takes another step forward in his progression um but what happens if you like went balls to the wall and you got Devonte Smith in every one of your dynasty leagues last year? Like, are you a little concerned now having to split targets with a guy like, uh, with a guy like AJ Brown in the Philadelphia system that doesn't super prioritize the pass? Yeah, I'd be a little concerned. He was kind of on my short list of players that I was trying to see if I could move in dynasty before the draft because <laughs> my assumption was that they were adding somebody. They had two first round picks right in prime wide receiver zone that I just and, and people make the argument that well if they bring in somebody else that's less defensive pressure on Devonta Smith you know that whole entire argument but to me it was still just always he's going to split targets with somebody else and they still have Dallas Goddard who they really really like and you know J- Jalen Hurts seems to trust the wide receiver group you know I know there's like three or four of them but they could combine for 80 90 targets as a group you know, this is a team that already throws like 30th or 31st lowest in the league. So the the target share chunk might, might be high. He might have 25%, but that 25% might only be like 100 targets. And it's 100 targets from Jalen Hurts. So it's just kind of like, it's, I'm not really in on DeMonta Smith. He had a fantastic yeah. rookie year, you know, over 900 yards, uh, five or six touchdowns. By rookie standards, that's fantastic. I just, I don't know how it gets much better if you had penciled in him in for like 1207 then you're starting you're a little nervous today if you're (laughs) if you're sitting on some smith stock andy what did you do with your kind of power rating for both philly and tennessee based on that move i mean philly had a nice draft and that's a nice addition and i think it is again taking fantasy aside a little like if you just look at it from a overall standpoint i like philly probably becomes more efficient on offense with this i mean it's a, mm-hmm. like addison says he's super efficient receiver and if if hurts works out you know takes that next little step it's a good team dallas uh dallas can't like the draft they had and honestly dallas can't like the draft the giants everybody had yeah the, the giants just kind of lucked into everybody falling to them i'm not even sure they did a good job it's just like oh here's a really great player when we're up like let's take him and it's not like the giants are i'm not thinking they're poised to be very good this year, but I mean, they got a nice, they got a nice receiver. They got a couple nice picks. So uh, as far as the Eagles, I did, I did bump them up. The market bet them a little, but it wasn't much. You know, it's still, I don't think they're like a threat to come out of the NFC. 
but it could be fun. I know some people that made some cases for like Sirianni coach of the year, because that's something that could happen if the, if the, you know, if the offense does turn out to be a lot better than we kind of had seen the past few years. Honestly, it was such an injured team last year too. People overachieved a decent amount though. I still, I still think they had a lot more injuries on that. Remember that the line was very beat up. So I'm hopeful for the Eagles. I don't know what to do with the Titans. And that's something I did kind of want to discuss. You mentioned, I mean, Addison brought up the, hey, it's another guy that sticks the defense away from him because you do have this, like there's no wide receiver that's going to get 100% target share, obviously. Like I'm just going to say super obvious things. So like it does get spread around. And I looked at situations like that where it's not like the vacated targets that people look at when a player has lost a free agency trade, retirement, et cetera. It's more of the, Man, they threw to this guy a lot because everybody else on the team kind of sucked. And I, I looked at a, a bad, a really bad team. And this one makes me feel bad. But I bet Mechie rookie of the year this morning at 61, oh. just because it was like it was like Cooks, and then nobody else on that team even had 500 yards receiving that season. And I didn't remember we did we kind of fell in love with uh, Mills a little. And they bolstered the left side of the line as well. They got a really good tackle on the end. And they're going to be behind a lot. Like, I, it was more of a, God, I hope Mechie makes it to training camp and he's healthy again. Because he was he got hurt in the uh, SEC title game, I think. Yeah. So that, that's kind Fall, of my guy. Falling in, that, love with, falling in love with Davis Mills is overstating it. I think uh, we ha- you had to force yourself to reevaluate. Is he worth a rookie third round grade or is he worth something a little bit better than that? I think he was worth better than that. Um, yeah, no, they they kind of hit on a guy that actually played well above where he was drafted. Well, let me thought, so. let me let me let's stay on the Texans then, and I'll ask Addison this question. Um, what do you what? So, like Texans do something stupid, like hire Lovey Smith as their head coach, and I basically just kind of write off that their offense is going to take any step forward this year. Am I crazy? Like, what's uh, how do you how do you weave in? Sort so of like expected expected offensive systems into this when there's a little bit of an unknown there. Uh, yeah, that that is certainly difficult for sure because there's just there's not a lot going on offensively there, and Lovey Smith being a defensive coach, I don't really know how much of it really changes from last year to this year. Um, I, I just it's just kind of a bet that Davis Mills just continues to to kind of say screw it and just kind of like throws to whoever he like, you know, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick mentality to where that kind of keeps the offense going. It's nothing really that Lovey Smith or anybody else is really going to try and, you know, or or really going to make happen. It's just, I think it's all just going to be down to does Davis Mills just feel like chucking the ball and kind of doing his own thing because that's kind of the only way that he could keep his job. I mean, if, if the Texans suck, He's not keeping his job, but like if he just goes out there and just throws it 40 times a game for 300 yards and maybe two or three touchdowns, you know, gives them competitiveness that might keep his job. And that would be something that I think the, uh, the Texas through no benefit of the coaching system or their staff or or their offense would probably I don't know if they would view that as benefiting from that, but <laughs> that would be something that this is incredible. Andy, I got a quiz yeah, for I, you. Ready? I didn't hate the GM thing, but boy, do I hate the coach thing. <laughs> well, yeah, it looks like, so lovey Smith has made the decision to retain himself as the defensive coordinator. Good. Um, keep him busy away from the <laughs> offense. Do you want to guess who the offensive coordinator is? It is. This oh. is a flash. This is a, and this is a name that is a blast from the past. 
Oh, is it? I mean, is it like a Gruden or a Gruden? Excuse me. Who? A Turner? Where's Scott Turner at these days? No, I think he's still in Washington. I think he is still. I I don't know. Like we're, it is Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton still alive. Former head coach and general manager of the DC Defenders. Yep. That Pep Hamilton. Wow. Um, he uh, is, of course. I'm making USFL bets today. Jesus. <laughs> Pep Hamilton was, uh, I think, his most famous stop was as offensive coordinator for the Colts in the early teens. I want to say. Uh, he has a uh, long history of quarterback coach and offensive coordinator roles all up and down uh, the NFL, but it has been a long time since he was really given the keys uh, for an NFL offense. <laughs> so sounds I'm like he hold- made Andrew luck is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the, basically the, the like worst part about yeah. Davis Mills oh. and Andrew luck. Yeah. The worst but, part about this is that June Jones is available. He's unemployed. <laughs> that guy made the, he's right right in town probably too. He made the roughnecks what they were. Like that was a fun offense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's some good cold water. And Mechie was like sixty to one. It wasn't uh, a big uh, a big swing on that. I just I think he can fill a need there. And like you said, just slinging it. That guy Neck Favre. That's what we're calling him this Neck year. Neck Favre. <laughs> like, I like he's, that. He's my guy. So like yeah, that. not hopeful. Not hopeful for that team. But again. Again, it comes down to like opportunities and the fact that hopefully they're, you know, they're going to be losing 80% of the time. So hopefully he does have to throw it 40 times a game and he just ends up with like a stupid amount of targets for this guy because he was kind of a, it was kind of a nice, I don't want to say like Gronk-esque, but this guy was kind of a monster in the red zone at times. And he's a really good tactical like route runner. So if he comes back healthy, I think he just ends up with a, a stupid amount of touchdowns that like, oh, and you know, Mechie scores and that'll Somebody pull, score that'll pull mm-hmm. the Texans within 14 with three seconds to go. That was pretty well, typical like, for them. They scored a good, lot. Yes. Oh, dude. Gar- Davis Mills, you know, he was an all-star in garbage they count, last though. year. Mm-hmm. He was, I, I remember <laughs> his, he scored, uh, I think he scored 16 unanswered points against the Super Bowl champion LA Rams. Uh, it was pretty impressive. They lost by 16, but he got them within 16. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite a season for for young Mister Neck Favre. Um, you uh, you said Addison off the air a little. You said like you had your rankings before the draft, mm-hmm. and then they didn't change a whole lot. Like no. is that is that? And that was a question I, I just didn't get a chance to ask. And it's better on air anyway. It's like is that typical? You know, obviously that the Packers and we already talked about Packers KC not taking a high end wide receiver, which could have changed things. Somebody taking like a Willis and saying we're starting them today because that's who they were, maybe would have changed things or a running back landing in the right spot. But like, is that typical or do you usually have big sweeping changes based on how the draft goes? Uh, I feel like it's, it's a little atypical because you usually have, you know, a couple of those players that get bumped up by either draft capital going to a fantastic team at the end of the first round that we thought maybe was more of a day two pick or, you know, somebody is a surprise pick on day two to a pretty good situation. And, you know, they get bumped up and then other people get bumped down, that whole kind of thing. I was trying to be a little bit more intentional this year with not really shifting guys, but then the NFL draft just kind of playing itself out, you know, that it was just like the six wide receivers that went in the first round were the six wide receivers that I thought were going to be in the first round. Um, and then, you know, Walker went to a good spot. Brees Hall went to a good spot, so they didn't really change. Uh, it was just kind of like, where do you slot in the quarterbacks in Superflex leagues? Uh, 
and the NFL told us very clearly what they thought of this, super, <laughs> this uh, quarterback class. So that made things a little bit into the um, sun, fired them all. Basically, basically. So, yeah, I, I was a little bit more intentional with it this year, though, because we have been burned in the past with moving players up too dramatically for only accounting for landing spot. You know, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, we were drafting over Jonathan Taylor in rookie drafts because he went to the Chiefs in the first round. Oof. What idiots that we were. That doesn't feel great in hindsight. <laughs> you know, Keyshawn Vaughn <laughs> went in the third round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was going to be the starter for the Bucks. you know, uh, or – Trey Sermon was that guy last year as well, going to be the starter for the 49ers. And um, so I was intentional with not doing that. And my fear was that the wide receiver who went to the Chiefs or the Packers in the first round because of how late they picked was going to be a lower second or third tier wide receiver that we were going to bump up. Like we were going to bump up Chris Olave to wide receiver one because he went to the Packers or somebody like that. Um and I just tried not to do it, but it actually ended up working out that I, it was, it just was kind of natural. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. When, it's nice yeah. when things fall into place like that. You tell me the draft was predictable. I wasn't saying that sarcastically. The draft was super chalky this year. I felt like, what'd you think, Andy? Yeah. I mean, obviously the wide receiver thing, we knew there was like, like Addison just said, there was like five or six, probably even seven who were like, these guys could go in the first, but everybody needs one and who knows what order they go in. And we've seen this before where somebody can just pull the rug, get what I said, get what I did there, Drew on the wide receiver market and absolutely screw everything up. And obviously like a few teams that were possibly in on wide receiver didn't go like, you know, Minnesota could have gone a couple ways, ended up trading back going to a safety. Safety had to be like fifth choice for Minnesota as far as who they took. Like, I think draft, uh, they had their market up. It was like cornerback, wide receiver, offensive line. And oh, then, it was way down there, yeah. Yeah, safety was like – and it's still, it, it's uh, I guess it means they're going to play a lot of three-safety defense, but that's uh, that's life in Minnesota here. But that uh, – I thought, I thought it was, you know, the first 10 was just kind of – we started to get all the information. We knew where things were going. Um, obviously, the Giants and Jets were still a little bit of a wild card. Then all the wide receiver stuff just had to shuffle out the three top – or the the corners that weren't the two top guys had to shuffle out. The corner the quarterback thing I like you you just said I think that was the most surprising. Like it just feels like teams overvalue. I'm not even sure overvalue is the right way. They know how valuable getting a quarterback is, and it was just surprising to me that like there wasn't a single team that was like, man, I thought these guys were going early second, maybe even in the first. You know, even like. Ritter, maybe late second is like, are, are we just not going to take some flyers on these guys? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe some of these teams that are a little more analytical now are saying like, yeah, quarterbacks are valuable, but that one ain't like, we don't, we don't need any of these guys at this point. And to producer Dan's point, like it was good for Atlanta to maybe not be so bad that they had a top pick, you know, because what were they going to do? Like they, they have so many needs and they need to kind of stink this year so they can get a top quarterback next year. Like, yeah, have fun with take, next year. Taking him where you take him where you yeah, taking him where you took him also gives you the flexibility of not being tied to him. Like mm-hmm. you can you can, you know, you can uh, uh maybe you struck gold, you didn't devote a ton of capital to him this year, and you don't mind moving on if you do happen to be you know, first pick in the draft next year with some better choices. Um do you figure that in at all in terms of a long-term evaluation for a guy like 
Drake London, that he potentially could have the best quarterback in next year's draft and be like a, uh, you know, a, a Chase Burrow, a Burrow, a Burrow yeah, a, a yeah, Burrow, uh, Burrow Chase deal. Uh, it factors in a little bit, not too much. Uh, I'm the, what the NFL told me this year, very specifically, was that it is impossible to project more than I feel like even a few months out at this point. Uh, let alone what's going to happen next offseason or the offseason after that. Um, I believe that Drake London, using him specifically, is the best wide receiver in this class. I don't really, I didn't feel like there was really an argument for anybody else, maybe Traylon Burks. But to me and my process and what I'm looking for, it was Drake London. He went, uh, he was the first wide receiver off the board. I love the Atlanta Falcons as a landing spot. Um, and I, I think it's a good landing spot, even with Marcus Mariota. Um, where I, you know, like I said before, he could just get a whole bunch of targets. They may not be great, but just get a whole bunch of targets, be very productive. And then there's that possibility that Atlanta cashes in and they get a CJ Stroud, they get a Bryce Young, uh, or maybe they use their draft capital, do something super crazy and trade for, you know, whoever the next quarterback is next year that isn't happy with their team and they get another elite quarterback or something. So that's fair. Yeah. Plus, yeah, yeah you, you brought up a great point. Atlanta's going to be losing in a lot of these games. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of garbage time opportunity for a guy there's, like London. Yeah. There's yeah. probably, and it probably gets overstated too. And we've picked on the jets a couple of times, but people say like, Oh man, he went to a bad quarterback situation or Atlanta. It's just a really bad team devoid of talent. But again, it's not like, I don't know. You picture it in your head. It's not like football follies for 17 games. Like there's still a professional <laughs> football team. Like even again, I brought up Brandon cooks. That was a dumpster fire, uh, especially before they got Davis mills in there. They were starting all kinds of stuff. That was a, a mess of a franchise, a mess of a team. He still had a thousand yards two years in a row. Like mm -hmm. even, you know, good players will still produce. It's almost like attrition. Like just, well, you know, they still have to play all the games. doesn't matter how bad they are. He's going to get a bunch of targets, a bunch of catches. People just aren't going to get excited about it from maybe a fan standpoint. But some of those guys put up some nasty fantasy numbers on shitty teams, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you about the one quarterback that we do think uh, you probably want to roster, at least in the Superflex situation, and that's Kenny Pickett. Um, what would you expect to see from him this season, if anything? And, um, you know, do you think that that makes sense long-term as far as fit between team and player? Uh, yeah, so I'm a Steelers fan. Um, so that was definitely an interesting pick from both a, a fantasy standpoint and from my uh, fandom standpoint. I viewed Kenny Pickett as very similar to Mitch Trubisky already. So I was kind of like questioning like, what was the upside here, you know, because you already signed <laughs> Trubisky and I think them as kind of similar players like Kenny yeah. Pickett for four years at Pitt was God awful. It was absolutely horrible. He had a career high 13 passing yards uh, leading into 2021. That was his career high in a season as a three year starter at Pitt and then his freshman year as well. So he's a five year player. Uh, and then I don't know what happened. He just decided to throw for four thousand and forty this year i have no idea why and that's what bumped him up to where he was being a first round pick um so i don't know i don't i don't really see the upside of the ceiling i thought it would just made more sense to go with mitch trubisky if they wanted to go with kenny pickett i actually would have preferred sam howell because i think Hal is just a better quarterback um even though the nfl 
told me where to put that prediction. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I'm I'm hopeful for for Big Ken coming in here for the Steelers, uh, and as a Steelers fan, as as a dynasty analyst, um, I think we could maybe see him, you know, as early as October, or maybe Mitch Trubisky plays well enough that. He doesn't see the field at all in year one. I, I really have no idea just because I think they're the same quarterback and I don't see <laughs> really what the point was in making that pick in the first round. Uh, so we'll have to see. I don't know. This whole quarterback class is really weird. Cause I feel like even Malik Willis down to Malik Willis and Sam Howell. Like if you told me all those quarterbacks are starting by week four, I'd probably believe you. If you told me all those quarterbacks didn't play at all, I'd believe you as well. Okay, Sorry. Andy. That, yeah. The, the quarterback. Your... Yeah, and I, I was going to ask too. Does it suck to be a Steelers fan on draft day, just like having the surprise ruined like weeks in advance every year now? <laughs> like the Steelers pick is always just telegraphed. Like, hey, guess what? It's a quarterback. Probably pick it. Last year, like mock drafts for months ahead of time had Najee penciled in. It's just yeah. never a fun surprise. Yeah, and what's been funny for the last couple of years is that it hasn't been a defensive player. It was yeah. all, like literally my entire life. It's always been a defensive player. Um, and then they took Najee last year that I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of that from a Steelers fan perspective. I'm not a first round running back guy. Um, and I think that is still <laughs> the correct decision. Um, and then I, to me, as long as it wasn't Malik Willis, I do not like Malik Willis. So as long as they didn't draft him in the first round, I was totally fine with it. What was really funny was when we got to day two, and then the Steelers passed on Malik Willis. I was I was at the point where we were like, this is like second or like third round. Like, just take the shot on Malik Willis now and then have a quarterback competition. Yeah, have a couple and, of them. Yeah, do it. I was like, take take all of them for, at this point and just figure <laughs> out which one is the best. <laughs> no, that, it's, uh, that's we, what we the uh, that's what the what Washington football team did back in the day. Yeah, and Kirk well, Cousins ended up being the guy. <laughs> Steeler, the Steelers usually it was like, yeah, the Steelers took some defensive players and sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Usually not the corner. It felt like they couldn't draft a corner that worked out ever. No. But then they'd go like two rounds later and find the best wide receiver in the draft on like late in day two for like five or six different times. But yeah, mm -hmm. the, last year we sat here with the five quarterbacks. We knew like, all right, we got a starter in Jacksonville. We got a starter in New York. We thought like maybe we have a competition in San Francisco we have a starter eventually like that's happening in Chicago. It's going to be something eventually. And then God, who's our, Oh, then, then obviously once yeah. we got to a preseason, we realized like, Oh shit, Mac Jones is starting. Like there's a lot of quarterbacks that are starting. And then, yeah, you say like Kenny Pickett's probably starting behind uh, Mitch, uh, the Falcons. You got Ritter. He's sitting behind Mariota Willis. It's behind our guy, uh, our Tanny. guy, Tanny. And then the Panthers, that's mm -hmm. like, I looked at the rest of them and maybe there's some weird stuff that happens with Zappy and we end up with like some competition with who was like the rookie of the year favorite for half the year <laughs> and they take another quarterback. But like Howell, Howell maybe gets some reps if things go pear-shaped there. But the rest of it is a mess. Like, I, uh, Why wouldn't uh, you start Howell? I, I, I think you like, what's lost? just see what, see what you can get out of him. Yeah, like, I don't the, really the know one what's game starting that, Darnold. Yeah, the one that, like, if I had to set a market on the first quarterback to take a snap, it's probably in Carolina. Like, I, I would, I would too. I, I think they probably are just ready to, hey, we saw what we have with Darnold. Why not just give this kid, give this kid some snaps and see what we get out of it? And, like, that's what stinks mm -hmm. about he might not be the best quarterback 
I'm really not sure who the best quarterback in this draft is either, but he might be the one that rises to prominence first just by getting to play. What'd you think of the Steelers pick of uh, Dickens? Oh, I love that. I was on board with that for sure. Um, I didn't think it was going to be Pickens. I thought they were going to go for like a Sky Moore kind of player as more of like a slot. Um, but I do really like Pickens. I think he has the one of the biggest upsides and ceilings of the wide receivers in this class. Um, I don't know if he meets that in Pittsburgh because he's the wide receiver three right now. And Deontay Johnson's a free agent. So maybe he walks or, you know, maybe they trade Chase Claypool because they don't like him. Like I don't like him. <laughs> and then Pickens can ascend up the depth chart. I like it from a team standpoint. Fantasy, not really in love with it. But um, yeah, any chance just to add more players from a Steelers fan perspective, more good players, uh, I'm all for it. What's and your uh, what's Drew, your win total? You, you what's made your a win point. total? Oh, good. Right, Andy, what's your win total for Pittsburgh? Well, here's the thing: it depends what the quarterback situation has. And you made a point. Why didn't they just take another quarterback? They did. It was uh, they took one in the seventh too. Oh, they he did. Was a guy. Yeah. yeah, South Dakota State's Chris Oladokun. Oh. He's a guy who's a Tight guy end. who's been under the lights. You know, he's uh that was a good team. That was a team that could have won the title last year. That team was just tired with the spring with the spring ball. They played like 26 football games in like a 12-month period. <laughs> That's a like lot it, of was, football. it was just a lot of football for those kids. But so they did take a, a flyer. So th- those are always interesting. Seventh round quarterbacks don't usually work, but um yeah, win total for the Steelers. I should I haven't even looked at the markets had. I'm asking you yeah, off the top of your head, what do you think? I think they actually do have it outside of division. They have an easiest schedule. They can, they can have a 500 season. It still has a lot of talent on the roster. Like they still have a really good defensive player hanging out there along with a few others who aren't too shabby. And then, I mean, if that offensive line is healthy and you know, the receivers, they, have, they were one of those two where it was like a kind of a wealth of riches at receiver. If the quarterback position is even mediocre, it's a probably a winning record, maybe nine and eight. It's just a tough division. Steeler, mm-hmm. Baltimore gets healthy. Cleveland, maybe Cleveland doesn't face a long suspension. And everybody else is, I mean, that's just, it's a mess of a division. That's a the rainy rough. AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Gauntlet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then the Bengals, obviously. So that's a, it's a tough pull for a division, but they do have an easier schedule, if I remember correctly. I was starting to look at that this morning for Rookie of the Year stuff. I'm like, who has tough schedules, according to uh, some of this? And, the Chiefs, I think, have one of the easier ones. Which they is, do? Oh, oh, good. The Chiefs do? That's according. Yeah, again, you, you know, your division only makes up a small portion of the, the schedule now. There's even, a you know, one more extra game that's not in your division. So it's hard to use that right here. But I think uh, I think he's another one, too. If it's not, if it's not the Panthers – that's probably the first quarterback we've seen. Mitch seemed comfortable in mop-up time last year, but, I mean, we've all seen what he is as a starter. It hasn't been good since, like, 2018. What if so. it was all Nagy's fault? And, yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, we have never seen uh, – Tomlin still has never had a losing season, I don't believe. Correct. That's why Finished I gave him the 9-8. 9-8, yeah. Nine and eight, yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to be the one to predict. Perennial overachievers, yeah. Um, <laughs> gets the best out of those guys. Um all right. Well, pivoting uh, back a little bit to the uh, the dynasty talk. Um, if the draft wasn't super exciting from really shaking up the world of dynasty, um, but you are seeing how things are playing out in terms of what player value is perceived in the trade market right now, and you know just in general the the, the temperature 
um, players around the league. Um, are there some young guys that are kind of in that make a leap territory that you have strong opinions on that differ uh, pretty substantially from market consensus? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, at any position or just wide receiver? Yeah. Or just uh, let's go through a couple. Like uh, qu- quarterback is maybe a, an interesting one to start with. I know quarterback's not the most important part of your dynasty roster probably, but are there any quarterbacks that you're like, let's say, uh, I'll just bring a, a flat out question. What do you expect out of Tua this year? <laughs> Tua was the first uh, name that came to my mind. Yeah, start, um, start with the easy one, huh? <laughs> Uh, I've been on the Tua train for a couple years now. I even said the amazingly hot take that I would rather have Tua than Trevor Lawrence. Um, so that's where I'm at there. Um, and that was before the Tyree kill trade as well. I was already on that kind of train. Um, I actually think that Tua can be pretty good. Um, I think that he has potential to maybe finish as like a quarterback one in fantasy this year. Um, I mean, he doesn't really have to do much. Uh, he could just literally throw it to either Jalen Waddle or Tyree kill at the line of scrimmage. And when they run for 80 yards, uh, an 80 <laughs> yard touchdown that counts as 80 passing yards and a touchdown. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the, um, the Dwayne Haskins thing at Ohio state, whenever he was playing at Ohio state with like Terry McLaurin and Paris yeah. Campbell and like all those guys that ran like a sub four, three and, he threw for 4,500 yards and like 45 touchdowns, but it was all because it was all short passes and they just had all the yak. So I think Tua can do kind of the same thing. I also think he has the ability to do more. Uh, he has a fantastic deep ball. He's actually one of the most accurate deep ball passers in the league. Uh, I don't think people realize that. Uh, so he definitely has that element in his game. I really love the opportunity that Mike McDaniel comes in with in the San Francisco uh, 49ers offense and bring kind of that mentality and philosophy over. I'm I'm really in on Tua Tungo Viola. I love him. He's our quarterback 19 in, in DLF ADP, uh, which is like behind guys like, uh, well, Malik Willis was above him. That's not going to happen anymore. Uh, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, uh, and he's right around like Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins and Zach Wilson. So, yeah, that you know, seems low. It's, now, like, where where was the floor for QB1 last year? Like just for context, like who were a couple Ryan of guys Tanny. right, yeah, right, right at the edge of QB one, QB two, like Tanny. Tanny, like, I think was QB twelve. Yeah. So to get to that level, that does seem pretty realistic when you add yeah. somebody like again, like Tyreek Hill catches a bubble screen. Doesn't matter if you didn't wing it forty yards across the field. That counts for a lot when he takes it to the house. In mm-hmm. fantasy wise, doesn't matter what's going on. And a year healthier, and really, you know, we shat on. Houston, my Houston take because it's a horrible coach, probably. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of exciting upside with McDaniel. I haven't decided like are we doing it's it's McDaniel with no S. We went over this it's, late. Yeah, Mike McDaniel. We did this late last year, and <laughs> I said we're gonna forget McDaniel. this a bunch with the McDaniel. But yeah, with, with McDaniel, that's that's exciting upside for the offense. Mm-hmm. It can be a fun team. Like I'm I'm pretty jacked to see Miami play well. Another OC. This is what three and three years for him? Really, yeah, four and three years because he had two last year. <laughs> it was a weird double OC thing. Yeah. Um, the guy they brought in is Frank Smith. Um, we should probably make fun of him like we made fun of Art Smith and yeah, watch him like, become a great. Who, who's Art Smith? We did like we did like ten minutes making fun of who is Art Smith, Art Smith, and then like two years later he's a head coach. Do you know Frank Smith also part of FedEx family? What the hell? 
Is it a is it a relative? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, don't do <laughs> that to me. <laughs> he Arch- uh, previously Smith. been a coach for the Chargers, the Saints, and the Bears. His last stop was run game coordinator and offensive line coach for the Chargers. Ugh. Um, before that, he was the tight ends coach for the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so this is a big step up for him in terms Couple. of an ask. I'm guessing Mike McDaniel is going to be still in charge of a lot of the conceptual framework of that offense. But a couple questions in the chat, as the chat's always on fire. Stefan, I always call him, even though it's Stephen Lackman, first asked, what you bet in USFL? Obviously, the generals to win the whole thing because they have a stupid, stupid playoff format, which we'll explain <laughs> at a different time, where basically like Tampa Bay is going to get hosed, which is funny. And then he has a dynasty question. Dear, I'm going to say, he didn't write Dear Addison, but I'm going to read it that way. Dear Addison, did Washington football team, you can't call them Washington football team anymore. So did the Commodores, which is not also Commanders. <laughs> it's not the Commodores. Yeah, man. that's a band. <laughs> confirm the thought that they're not confident in Gibson. Have to imagine you adjust him down a bit going forward, coming from someone who owns him at a fantastic keeper cost. Mm. Yeah. Uh, people weren't really, I think, as uh, prepared for Washington to draft a backup to Antonio Gibson or somebody to maybe come in and, uh, you know, compete a little bit. Uh, there were, you know, rumblings going on that they were looking at other running backs. And I think that they met with the one of, they were one of the teams that met with the most running backs uh, leading up to the draft from the data that I was looking at from Walter football. Um, so them drafting Brian Robinson really isn't all that shocking to me. I think that he's a guy that could definitely come in and steal a couple cut touches away from Antonio Gibson on a per game basis, kind of like what we saw from Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, like kind of like that sort of thing. Um, or maybe like an AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones. Um, Gibson has always been a guy that the community has been way higher on than I have uh, just because we heard Ron Rivera call him a Christian McCaffrey player. And then so we thought that that meant that he was going to be Christian McCaffrey, which of course is obviously not true for 31 other starting running backs in the league, not named Christian McCaffrey. Um, And so Gibson has always been a guy that's just has been really solid, but never took it to the next step. We saw it in flashes and times at games. And especially when JD McKissick was hurt last year and he actually got receiving ability. Uh, But in all honesty, he hasn't really been all that different production wise than a guy like Josh Jacobs but Jacobs is like two or three rounds cheaper in dynasty uh, in startups. And, and definitely that trade value reflects that ADP as well. So yeah, the, the Gibson stuff for like, hmm. I think his first year Oof. and even, even again, people are just like, this is it. He's going to be, he's, he's practically a slot receiver and a running back. Like he's mm-hmm. just going to get so much. And it's just like, no, that's not how they're using him. Like that'd be awesome because I think he could do it, but that's the difference between. And again, we talk coaching scheme and all that. That's the difference between here's something a player could do. Well, the coaches have to call those plays as well. Like, yeah. you know, a, a guy's ceiling sometimes isn't met because he's in a spot where, like you said, McKissick or other guys are taking that receiving role, that third down back role or whatever's, whatever's getting him off the field, costing him snaps, costing him points, yardage and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I'm, I was, I was a little surprised they took a running man, but again, it late third round. This guy I kind of like, though, as far as that. I thought there was a decent drop-off from there to maybe – I kind of like Samir White, but from there on, like the rest of the running backs, I kind of crossed off as guys who matter. 
We got, I got to do a corrections and retractions here. Um, looking at the depth chart for the Washington Commodores or Commanders, as they're more colloquially known. Uh, and Sam Howell is on Washington. I thought Sam Howell ended up with the Panthers. The Panthers took Matt Corral. Matt Corral. I retract <laughs> any sentiment that they should start him anytime soon. Um, I mean, I, I don't know that uh, he's ready to take NFL snaps right now. Um, Sam, they are. Uh, the and actually, you know what? I want to walk back any kind of making fun of how bad the Houston Texans offense is going to be. I think the Houston Texans offense is, n- I will make a bold prediction, they will not be in the bottom three of offenses in the NFL this year. I think almost certainly the Carolina Panthers are going to be in the discussion, almost certainly the Seattle Seahawks are going to be in the discussion, and uh, the Chicago, Chicago Bears. What in the world are they doing? Uh, And how do you evaluate that Bears roster from contributing anything from a fantasy perspective in 2022? Yeah, if you had fields on a roster, you can't feel good about that. And then they did it twice. Like, oh, defense, defense. Like, you didn't have to get them on O-lineman and a wide receiver, but one or the other would have been nice. Like, just kind of utter disrespect for your young guy. Yeah, it sucks, too, because you see teams like the Jets, they just – got Garrett Wilson as a top 10 pick. Then they got Brees Hall on top of what they already have in Michael Carter and Elijah Moore from last year's draft. You know, they're, they're bringing in CJ Uzama and they brought in Corey Davis last year who are really good contributing pieces to an NFL team like that. That is the difference. And and it's something that could take your team from being the New York jets to, you know, the upside of being what the Bengals were last year. I'm not saying that they're going to do that, but like that is what they're trying to do. Then you have Justin Fields. Like, I get that you traded your first round pick this year to move up to get Justin Fields last year. So you're already kind of limited with what with what you could do. But you know, you let Allen Robinson walk. You don't replace Allen Robinson with any free agent wide receiver outside of Byron Pringle. Uh, and then you know, you have opportunities in the second and third rounds, and then you you draft Vellis Jones Jr. <laughs> at wide receiver. I, I have no idea what the Bears are doing, honestly. Like, I see a lot of Bears fans defending it saying that like he was just reading the board and give the the gm like credit for his first you know nfl draft or whatnot like he did the best with with the hand that he was dealt and i'm like (laughs) this whole offseason has not been kind to justin fields or the bears i would not be optimistic whatsoever no they used their free agency capital to sign a guy that they ended up failing his physical (laughs) and and that was actually a good thing for them because they could not have really afforded to waste that capital there um they did bring in equiminius st brown uh, so oh, you can yeah, get some yeah, get some great. run from him, uh, and at the end, yeah, they did they did sign a uh, an undrafted free agent in Master Teague the third. Master Teague the third. He'll be competing Four, for 14th, snaps. Uh, wide receiver off the board. I didn't watch a, a lot of Tennessee, I guess, because I wasn't even like like I've heard of this guy, but I'm not so sure if I really know what he's all about. And yeah, the Bears the Bears draft was weird. And that we said Isn't that he's like 27 in- years old, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they got old players who didn't ever prove it at the college level, which is, is not good. That is something, too. We talked about this when we got into the draft. We said we have a few like new GMs or new GM situations where it's like, man, do we do we even know like what we're going to get out of these teams? And I think we were worried. We we're kind of worried about the Giants. But then we said, like, man, the Giants can't screw up. They have too high a picks. The same with the Jets, like. If they screw up like anything, it's it would be just a, a disaster. Like, how do you do that with two top ten picks? And neither did. And again, the Eagles had a nice draft. 
I'm trying to think who else had high again. The, the Falcons, new GM, newish. But again, what are you going to do? You got a, a high end wide receiver. You had a top 10 pick. Hard to biff these things up. Yeah, the Bears were an utter disappointment. And like the Lions are going to pass them up. Like the Bears are going to be the NFC North cellar dwellers here if the Lions continue to like play well in the, the offseason and make some moves. And if they get a nice offense put together, and th- that's another team I'd love to see the Lions tank and get a good quarterback. Mm hmm. Like that's that's another one where hey guys let's be really let's have the exact blueprint of last year where we get really competitive and a bunch of kickers uh, on the other team hand us some L's in like the last five seconds we get a top five pick and we get one of these good quarterbacks and all of a sudden like you're set for ten years like they, their rebuild has been great they're just one super important piece away. You so um, you're saying you want to see some David Blau this year under center? You're not you're, to, you're ready yeah yeah <laughs> I want I want them to yeah they need to get the doctor that used to work for the Chargers so they can get Goff's lung punctured. <laughs> now, I would never wish that upon someone, but yeah, that would be yeah. perfect if David Blau started 17. Um, so speaking of question mark under center, the hell's going on with the Seattle Seahawks plan here? They're really going to enroll Drew Lockout here as QB1 this year? And what was your – I mean, this was – talk about head-scratcher. They get an air raid tackle, uh, and they get another running back. Um, it, it felt like they were playing a practical joke on us during the actual draft. If you were watching it live when they called Kenneth Walker. Um, but what, uh, I guess, do you have a, a somewhat bullish take on Kenneth Walker, the third's potential to be a, you know, a, a feature running back in this system, assuming Rashad Penny is not there for the long haul. Yeah, I think Kenneth Walker is great. He solidified himself as my RB two and my 1.02 in all rookie leagues. Um, you know, it's Brees Hall and then it's Kenneth Walker. Uh, I think the Seattle landing spot was fantastic. We can joke all we want. And honestly, like, do we really not expect them to take a running back? Like it's Seattle, it's Pete Carroll. Like they want, they want to run the ball. And so I, I honestly really like the landing spot for Kenneth Walker. You know, we're basically basing Rashad Penny off of what he did at the end of the year last year, in like the last like six games. But for the last four and a half years before that, he had not been able to stay healthy or stay on the field. Kenneth Walker, I think, is a better running back right now than Rashad Penny is right now. Um, and this is kind of like a Javante Williams situation where we're just kind of waiting for the vet to get out of the way to give us our, our stud rookie. But every year, multiple rookie running backs finish inside the top 24 at the position. Um, Brace Hall, I think, is well on his way. And then Kenneth Walker would be the other one, uh, in my opinion, from this this class. And I, I think it's just honestly wheels up for Kenneth Walker. I think the other thing, too, that is a little – underrated about the Seahawks is there was a lot of concern about Kenneth Walker's receiving ability because he never really showcased it in college um, and only had, I think like 18 or 19 career receptions at both Wake and Michigan state. The Seattle Seahawks, while not known for throwing to the running back, they're a team that doesn't really deploy a pass catching specialist, which was kind of my fear that like he, Mm. Kenneth Walker would go to a team like Washington uh, with JD McKissick or, you know, like the Raiders and uh, Kenyon Drake or Naeem Hines or whoever it is, they would feel the need to have a pass catching specialist. Um, we've seen in the past, Chris Carson has had multiple 45 plus target seasons, 2019, 2020, got hurt last year. So as long as Kenneth Walker gets that, like if he gets to 50 targets, we're pretty okay in that department. We're not having some sort of Derrick Henry kind of thing. It's not going to be what we want. 
But if we get him 30, 35 receptions, that's going to be a pretty solid floor, I think, on a weekly that, basis. That's where it's so interesting to talk to guys like you who we're, we're not good at evaluating the college to pro jump. I think like we've proven that a few times with some mm -hmm. of our quarterback evaluations, but like got who's the guy over at NBC drew that does a lot of fantasy looks like, uh, looks like the guy from the princess bride. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, he looks like Carrie Ellis. Ian does fantasy. Yes. He does college fantasy. He talks. Oh, fraught Froten. Yeah, Froten, like some yeah. of the stuff he says to yeah. me, it's like, man, I'm not even looking at some of this stuff. I just don't watch enough college. I've given my Saturdays back to the family. That's why I just don't watch enough college. But yeah, same. it is always interesting. Like you hear people, it's like you hear the noise, and it's the noise is like everybody, the, the group think, the thoughts of like Twitter. And they did this with Jonathan Taylor. Be like, well, they didn't throw the ball at Wisconsin, so he's not going to catch balls in the NFL. It's like, well, just because, again, it's one of those things where just because the coach didn't call that shit because it's Wisconsin doesn't yeah. mean he can't do it. Well, the best example is Justin he Herbert. Got, yeah, oh, yeah, it's another great one. But, yeah, yeah like J Jonathan Taylor, like people were so down on him in fantasy his rookie year. It's like, ah, he's not going to catch any balls. He just didn't do that in college. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, he doesn't play at Wisconsin anymore. Like, there's no Big Ten teams in the NFL. Like they'll they'll might throw him the ball. I I wasn't I didn't end up getting him on any teams, but yeah, he caught like forty balls last year. He caught almost I think he had like thirty five the year before that. Like they're gonna do different things. These people are you know they're drafted highly for a reason. So yeah, I mean everybody I, I like evaluated Herbert because he was effectively in a system that was. We like, just had a just horrible, horrifically yeah. bad. Um. Okay. So let's go back to my. Uh, I'll go back to my question on. Um, uh, off market prices or off market positioning. Uh, how about among the running backs and the wide receivers? Anyone that you're especially high on relative to market or low on? Uh, running back, the first name that comes to mind is Elijah Mitchell, um, who's been following this entire draft process because of the expectation that the Niners will draft a running back, um, which they did. They drafted uh, Tyrion Davis Price out of LSU, who I think is just a better Trey Sermon, um, but I don't think he cuts into. <laughs> Elijah Mitchell's workload at all. It's just all about him staying healthy. Um, so I really, really like Elijah Mitchell. I was firmly on the Elijah Mitchell train all last year. Like I got the receipts before the draft. I got the receipts after the draft. I was team Elijah Mitchell over Trey Sermon last year. Um, David Montgomery's another one too. James Connor, all these guys, like the biggest thing for dynasty that I've been finding this year. Um, and from last year is that we really undervalue veteran running backs who still have the job <laughs> you know um, oh, sure. and, and we bump up jk dobbins and cam Akers, and we're we're doing it now with javante williams i think javante williams is going to be great um but you know guys like austin eckler is still like really amazing fantasy players that you want on your team and they're just undervalued because we see that he's 26 27 years old so a lot of those players like that i think are um are where we're at at the running back position, the wide receiver position. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I think are, could be valued as wide receiver threes or fours that could do better. I think of guys like Jerry Judy. I think Hollywood Brown's going to be fantastic in Arizona, especially now with this six game suspension for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, that one's going to be really, really fun. Rashad Bateman, Darnell Mooney. Um, I even like if you scroll down like a little bit farther down here, uh, everybody loves Gabe Davis just because, <laughs> he was like the four touchdown darling from last yeah. year. Um, but you scroll down a little bit farther. I think a guy like 
Uh, Jacoby Myers is pretty good. Alan Lazard is interesting for the Green Bay Packers. Russell Gage, uh, as well as the wide receiver three for Tampa that we saw be a, a valuable role with Antonio Brown. So, you know, there's there's a handful of guys that you can pick that I think could do monumentally better than where we're actually valuing them right now. Who's a guy towards the top of the board who you're like selling at all costs at this point? Uh, it was AJ Brown, um, but now it's actually turned to where I think I'm a, ahead of market because okay. now people bumped him down on the Eagles to where I think I valued him already on the Titans. Um, and they just don't like the Eagles anymore. Um, it also was DK Metcalf for me. And then Russell Wilson got traded. Um, and, and now I think it's Debo Samuel. Cause I just don't really know what to do. It's not so much that the, the trade situation It's just, even if he's on the Niners, I don't really know how to approach him. Cause like he had this really weird, like first half, he was a fantastic wide receiver. And then the second half, he was a fantastic running back. So like, I don't really know how to value him moving forward. And I think he had way too many touchdowns and did way, way better than what he should have been with his volume that I, I don't, I just don't think that he repeats and he's being valued right around Cooper cup uh, and Devontae. Whoa. I'd rather just have both those guys. What? Instead. Do you, do you so, remember my comment about he's being uh, valued around Cup and Adams? Cooper Cup when, is when, 28 years yeah, old, about to turn 29. I'm that's, telling you, do you, they just see the number 29 and they're like, not. Nope. It's like wow. Leo DiCaprio with girlfriends. Just done. Yeah. Done. Done. Put him in the trash. Put him in the trash. Um, Unbelievable. Do you remember what I, it's funny? Like the whole AJ Brown thing now, because we talked about Debo for a bit in some chats and I'm like, how many times can you remember a guy getting traded on draft day? I'm like, these big trades just never happen. It's like once a decade, and then it didn't, and I was right, but then it did because AJ Brown got traded. Or I, yeah, twice. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it kind of ended up with a, a couple of high-end wide receivers suddenly moved. It was a, you know, for being chalky and ending up with a lot of the stuff happening like we thought it happened, it was still kind of a wild-ass draft day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. The trades, yeah, those trades especially. Um, let me ask you one other fantasy-related question, and then we can uh, uh, pick through any other last comments or questions from the from the audience. The um, where do you stand on what to expect from a guy like Derrick Henry this year? Uh, Two thousand rushing yards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like how? So, okay, let me count. Let me ask the question a little differently. So. Mm -hmm. It was commonplace to come into last season. I, I would say the most common take I heard about Derrick Henry coming into last season was like, look how many touches this guy's gotten now. So many years in a row. Like no human being can up, can hold up and continue at this volume to produce at the running back position. And I don't know whether his injury was fluky or whether it was a direct result of how much they used him and what they asked him to do. Um do you is there consensus in the space right now about what to expect from him? And do you think that's fair or is it like is this a wait and see kind of a deal? Uh I think there is kind of consensus that he's just gonna come back and be Derrick Henry. I mean, he's actually being valued, I think, right now higher than really he's ever been before like coming into seasons, especially, you know, even last year when he came off of a two thousand rushing yard season and people were like, Well, this dude's had like four hundred touches for three years in a row, he can't keep doing that. Um and then he, he did get hurt, which, like you said, I don't know if that's a result of the workload or not. Um, it was nice to see that he came back and then just immediately came back to getting the same touches that he did. And then Tennessee didn't do anything 
to change my mind that he's not going to get another 400 touches because they only drafted Hassan Haskins uh, yeah. at the running back position. And then, you know, now they replaced AJ Brown with uh, Traylon Burks. But I think that even more tells us that they just want to keep running the ball. And I mean, if they, you can't stop <laughs> Derrick Henry. Like you might for 15 carries, but all that 16th carry might be a 75 yard touchdown that swings the game, you know? So like he was already on pace for, I think like 450 rush attempts last year and he got hurt in week six and it took Jonathan Taylor to like week 11 to pass him in fantasy points, which that's how insane <laughs> Derrick Henry was producing. Um, I really don't, I I'm done betting against Derrick Henry. Honestly, like I did it, I did it the first year after DeMarco Murray left. And then I think I did it the year after that. And I'm like, God, you know I what? remember I'm DeMarco Murray. I'm yeah. It's just, he's, he's insane. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like an AP thing where he comes back with an injury and it's like, oh, now he's even better, which what's that? I don't know what that Maybe. looks like. 2,500 yards. Maybe. I don't, you can't, it's, it's hard. You can't predict injuries. There are a few players. We say this every year. It's like, there's a few players. It's like, Man, this guy is Arian Foster comes to mind. Like, I guess what? He's gonna have a soft tissue injury. Like, that's just gonna happen every year. And there's yeah. a few quarterbacks that are like Wince. Wince, I just worry all the time because he I don't think he's put together all that tight. He's just put together too damn loose. Well, like, well Christian McCaffrey is a good guy that comes to name. Yeah. Like they they overused him, and I don't know that you can count on him going getting a full season at this point. Yeah. Just just seeing, I mean, but seeing Henry back, like I'm not worried. I'm not worried about him this year. And they're gonna like it's the same staff. Like they're gonna give him the usage. It's another one where it's just like he's gonna get that many yards because they're gonna just give him 400 damn carries no matter what. Like it's it's just in the game plan. Like it's the uh, if he gets this many carries, the team wins. Like it's like they're really taking that to heart sometimes. <laughs> so and all the other, how many other top running backs didn't get hurt last year? If you just talk about like redraft leagues, I think I ended up right right in the spot where I missed all the top running backs. It's like, man, I would have just been screwed anyway. All these guys got hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why, like, Joe Mixon and James Conner and Leonard Fournette were top five guys, just because you didn't have Alvin Kamara. You didn't have Dalvin Cook. You didn't have yeah. Derrick Henry. You didn't have Saquon Barkley. You didn't have yeah. Chris McCaffrey. You know? Is that just rough. the new is, – is it possible, though, that that's just the way it's going to be now with the 17-game season? Yeah, yeah, I think for sure. And that's why I like in Dynasty, I just hoard as many backup running backs as I can. And people yell at me and they're like, How you can't know which running backs get hurt. And I'm like, they all are. They're all gonna yep. get hurt. So I'm just rostering all of them. Uh, you know, I got I got like amazing games out of Devontae Booker last year. People probably don't even realize that he was in the league, and I got like four RB one weeks out of Devontae Booker. Was he yeah, Houston? The Giants. Giants. Yeah, the Giants. The Giants oh, had right. like two or three Giants. weird weeks where he was just like, "This guy is getting touches." Because and he, he looks better than Saquon like, Barkley. Last when it's year. like <laughs> shit, they don't have anybody else, they have to give him touches. Let's be fair; that wasn't very hard to look better. Than okay. Saquon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're but. we're traditionally anti. Also, I didn't know how to say his name for two years. I was no, we were Sack saying it sack because it's funner funner to say it sack. I, that's fun. I feel like I just didn't realize it was Saquon for a while. Oh, I was saying well, because of sure. the wedding crasher character that turned out to be Bradley Cooper, uh, A-list actor, uh, yeah, played Sack Lodge in the wedding crashers back in the day. Um, <laughs> crab cakes and football. Um, but uh, yeah, the the uh, yeah the the overall. Um, I don't know. I, some of Sack Barkley's issues were 
Jason Garrett was calling the plays, but mm-hmm. uh, I agree. Booker did look li- more lively uh, when they finally uh, pulled the old switcheroo. All right. Well, um, Andy, who won the draft? The GD Eagles. Eagles. This, they moved. The, they moved the most positively, in your opinion, in terms of yeah. winning a championship equity for the twenty twenty two campaign for this year. Although, like, I'll I'll harp on this a lot. Like, I love that Atlanta went with a player that probably doesn't win him any games this year, even if he's really good. Like, a one wide receiver is just not enough to, and I think it would have been wasted on dra- trading back and going for the quarterback. Like, Atlanta has a game plan now where they're going to hopefully be bad this year and get their quarterback and yeah, a stud young quarterback with Pitts and London. That's a ton of fun in two years. Like I'm excited for the, uh, the city of Atlanta, Fulton County and the state of Georgia completely for uh, the 2023 season. All right. Who won the draft in your opinion, Addison? Uh, I, I really liked what the jets did. Um, yeah. Just because, I mean, they had so many draft picks, but like just their ability to just, like trade up for Jermaine Johnson and then they still get Brees Hall in the second round and everything like that. Um, To Andy's point, a team that is going to suck this year that I really like their direction that they're going is the Detroit lions. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, Uh, they're going to accidentally win too much. (laughs) I hope not. It's I need them to get a quarterback too. I mean, are they, they got four wins right there with the, uh, uh, with the bears and the uh, the Vikings on the schedule where those teams rostered themselves. They could knock the green Bay off once. Yeah. How bad do you think the Vikings are true? They don't look great, man. No, they got a safety though. That'll fix everything. (laughs) (laughs) That'll that'll fix it. The cornerbacks they started last year, like it was just a wide receiver funnel. Every like, hey, guess what? The Vikings are playing. Who are the wide receivers against? So you think? Uh, yeah, are... so you think the Jets did enough to move their offense out of fourth into third in the uh, AFC East? Um, that one's a little difficult, just because the the uh, the uh, the Bills are always going to be great. The Patriots, I'm, you can't ever really count out. Like they always are going to have the Jets number, and then obviously the Dolphins got significantly better as well. Like, I just think from a, a jet standpoint, you have a lot of hope right now. The problem is, is just kind of like a lot of other teams is that you're just kind of stuck in a rough division, you know, where it's going to be hard to kind of make an impact divisionally to help you out in the playoffs and whatnot. But yeah, I do really like the direction they're heading. Can't really argue. I thought they had a good draft too. I thought both New York teams did well. I thought Philly yeah. did well. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing like getting two super high end picks to make, you know, who did the best, best though. And this was this was undercovered, um, the L.A. Rams, uh, because they didn't have any, they weren't stuck with any uh, capital in what was a bad draft. Yeah, every, and that, they have a Super Bowl. That's a nice silver lining. <laughs> Everybody shit on them yeah. like we don't need no draft picks. Well, it was a bad draft, so whatever. Yeah, yeah it was a bad draft, and they didn't have any capital, and they, they got a trophy, and they didn't so. have to worry. They didn't have to sit and evaluate the the top end of this draft. Yep. Saved a lot of time and sweat there. <laughs> must have been nice yeah they got to laugh at uh at other people's picks i saw sean oh yeah the patriots and, pick. And yeah the patriots drafted up snickering. a pretend person yeah. chattanooga yeah. the mocks very strange yeah. very strange um all right well appreciate your time thank you for the insight where can people uh check out your work and uh what should they be thinking about right now this dynasty drafting season yeah thank you guys so much for coming on um at amazes underscore on twitter dlf youtube channel 
100%. Um, that's where like all of my work is. Uh, but definitely check out DynastyLeagueFootball.com as well. Now a part of the BetSports umbrella. And uh, I mean, as of right now, for Dynasty, it's just rookie, rookie, rookie. Just improve your team. Draft for value. Trade for need. If you're in a rookie draft and you think that you have a need at quarterback, you don't. You actually don't. Uh, just take the sure. best player <laughs> uh, off the board and then figure it out later. Uh, just make your team as good as you can now. Don't worry about starting lineups. Don't worry about, you know, team needs or anything like that. You got four more months to figure that stuff out. Yeah. And if you are on this YouTube channel right now, watching this live or you're watching this later, if you go to the main YouTube page and you scroll down, there's a little section after like three or four playlists that says partner channels. It has the 444 channel, and it has the DLF channel right on there. You don't even have to go look for it. It's right there. You can click on the link, go subscribe. Addison puts up a lot of content. Obviously, that's going to ramp up right now, and then obviously during the season as well. And then somebody did ask about DLF memberships, uh, getting the subscription to the premium stuff. So I will put this up as well. You can just go get it at you know Dynasty League Football, but also... If you don't have an underdog, and we didn't even talk best ball. Best ball is Jeez. a fun spinoff, too. We're going to have to do a best ball episode at some yeah, point. Seriously. Yeah, if you don't have an underdog account, you can get a free year of DLFS. DLFS, Jesus, I can't talk. DLF access with just getting a new underdog, uh, underdog subscription here using that promo code DLF and 100% deposit match. So not too bad of a deal offered up by our friends over there at Dynasty League Football. I thought so. Perfect. All right. Well, I forgot him, the producer. I was yeah. confused by the screenshot. There was Marcus Rashford and Taysom Hill. And I'm going to put it back. Della Vadova. That's Delhi. Oh. I see the Delhi sighting. All right. Is Delhi so still? Taysom Hill, Rashford. Yeah. From Man U. Brady, Delhi. Brady, Delhi, and De Bruyne? Kevin De Bruyne. But you can mix sports. It's fine. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a that was that was the winning lineup, I guess. <laughs> Obviously. So all right, appreciate your time, Addison. Drew, I'll let you get back to drinking bourbon in Louisville. Derby prep, go home. buddy. Derby yes. prep. We'll talk some Derby Wednesday and we'll catch you guys then. Outro. I almost forgot I was a producer too. I had to I have to hit the music. Oh, so good. See the hurricanes. Hurricanes nuked the Bruins and uh, Toronto. Uh, absolutely embarrassed. The Stanley Cup champion. Like, my goodness. In Toronto, Zola was at that game. You gonna go see uh, your Minnesota Wild?